You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loans. Great to have you joining us once again. And on today's show, we have my boss, the Managing Director of Sports Tech World Series, STWS, Andrew Walton. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thomas, thank you very much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to be connecting with you across the Pacific. Yep, well, across the Pacific and then some. You're on the west coast of Australia. I'm on the, I guess, near the coast of uh, of, of the Gulf here <laughs> in Texas. So, um, and for those that don't know, so Sports Tech Feed brought to you by Sports Tech World Series, STWS, so a consulting advisory um, events and education, sports technology. We live and breathe sports tech. It's everything that we do. Um, and we want to see others succeed uh, in that realm. And that's teams, vendors, uh, investors, governments are some of our clients that we work with. And Andrew has recently joined us as the managing director um, to, I guess, take us to the next level and, and focus on the next stage of growth. So we're very excited to have you um, join SDWS. But First of all, for our listeners, can you give a, a bit of background in your career journey in sports technology? Yeah, certainly, Thomas, and, and, and thank you, and, and thanks all listeners for joining us. So uh, my journey in sports technology started from a situation where I was following the Australian cricket team around the UK in 1999 in the World Cup and um, had, I suppose, a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience in seeing Australia win that event. And it was my first time ever uh, for an extended period over in the UK. And this is back in 99 where the internet was emerging. And yes, we were aware back home that Tony Lockett broke the records for number of goals as a player and uh, Gary Hocking changed his name to Whiskers in a match. And those are sort of snips you'd pick up. But but most of the news you'd get would be from uh, entering a walkabout tavern and picking up a timeout magazine and getting the footy scores um, or what happened from last week. And it was... When I arrived back in Australia and I was playing uh, cricket at my local club in, in South Yarra at Como Park, and uh, we would, we'd been building a website for our cricket club for a number of years, and the, the website basically was um, you know, some pictures and some logos and a bit, a bit of blurb on what was happening in the club. Yet uh, one of my partners in Future Business, Pete McCauley, uh, had, he was responsible for doing the uh, awards for the presentation night and had developed in his computer science course at Melbourne Uni fairly elaborate Excel spreadsheet that we called Statman. And basically what Statman allowed us to do at the club was pump in every match scorecard and it would print out a whole heap of stats um, that was needed for, for averages, for tables, for strike rates. And being the coach of the club, um, I was pretty keen on, on data. And where it sort of went was that uh, while away overseas, I was thinking, well, why can't anybody see a scorecard or a result of a sporting match from anywhere anyhow and that's sort of took us on a journey within our club of extending that into apart from meeting the needs for ourselves but then building that out to meet the needs for the, the competition and over a period of the next couple of years um we were bootstrapped i suppose if you like or self-funded a um a cricket management platform that took into account all the stats all the scores uh but then built itself into the admin side of things as well for the registrations umpire appointments, fixture creations, and everything else that, that, that come under it. And just to finish with, uh, we we're probably fortunate because um, we did two things early on uh, that probably proved rather prescient in, in building a business later on. One was that we 
always charged a subscription fee for what we did, whether it, was, whether it was a club fee or whether it was an association fee. So we really steered away from doing things for nothing. Um, and the second part we did was we, we tried to stay f- as best we could faithful to the sport of cricket because we sort of found by accident that um, there were that many variables in calculating a match result in cricket into a ladder that actually gave us a, a magnificent playground to understand uh, the different aspects of code um, required so we could a- apply the philosophy of data entered once it flows where it needs to go. And in the end, um, that became a business called Results Vault and we operated as a, as a subscription service um, in Australia, a number of countries overseas. In fact, your native Texas, um, where you are, Thomas, uh, they're actually our eighth ever paying client, the North Texas Cricket Association that we found on the internet way, way back in the early 2000s. There you go. Um, yeah, that's, that's where it went. And then it was through that process that we, we Results Vault became the product and we turned into Interact Sport became the business. And Interact Sport um, has, has existed and, and, and grown over various years up until 2021 when it was acquired by Sport Radar. Um, and through that experience, uh, myself, Dave and Pete, the three founders, uh, maintained our, our relationship and our commitment to, to growing the business and, and being there for each other. And uh, 2018, I stepped away as, as CEO and Sam Taylor took on the role and took the business to a new level. And yeah, um, 2021 um, was the acquisition by Sport Radar, and then on to on to new things. So uh, the classic 20 year overnight success story. Yes, the classic over. Yeah, the classic 20. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's one, one thing which has been quite. Um, I find a bit interesting in, in in these days. I get asked to speak to quite a few groups uh, around startup um, and, and and mentoring in that space. And one of the things I suppose where I tend to have ever difficulty in, in really convincing people is that we, we never took a dollar from anybody else except ourselves. Um, it took us three years to generate enough revenue just to pay for the servers that we were running out of our bedroom at the time and, and pay for the bandwidth. Um, I think our, our our internet bill in 2007 was triple the size of what it was in 2016, um, just with the advent of, of technology. Um, but look, overall, we were able to put food on the table for our family and, and, and employed a lot of good people. And a lot of friends came along the journey with us, and um, it's, it's been it's been really really enjoyable. And I and I think we you know we have made a difference as far as giving community sport that um, complete platform. And just just to finish with on that, it, it's gone through what was initially a web based technology, which then grew into uh, live scoring through, as native apps became part of what was available. And then now today also includes live streaming. So it's the complete digital media online package for any club anywhere in the world. But yes, it does take a, did take some time to, to bring it all together. <laughs> well, looking at, I mean, that's fascinating as well, coming from that that history and that, I guess that need, as you said, walking into a pub and not knowing the, uh, the, the cricket scores back home. But then you think about um, even being in your, your home city trying to get scores from a team um you know you have to write a newspaper next day or whatever it was or you know find call someone who was at the club and ask them what's what's the results and just that very simple need and how that's evolved um a business out of it and and data and everything and internet connectivity catching up with that and so so that's fascinating over the last 20 years and and this question is with an eye to the future because i i do think when we look to the past and see how 
needs have changed and evolved, it does leave clues to which way the industry is going and also how trends have changed and things like that. So over that course of that, say, 20 years, what have been the biggest changes you've seen in the industry? You mentioned a couple then, but kind of expanding on that yeah. in technology data, um, you know, within professional sports, within community sports, and uh, and I guess where is that indicating it's going? Yeah, well, my when we started our generation, we, we, I refer to us as the last of the the keyboard generation, as far as requiring a keyboard and a mouse to work our way through a technology device of some sort. Um, I've got four sons overall. My two youngest ones are seven and ten, and they're what I call the swipe and wipe generation. Uh, they just expect that there's a screen. They don't care what brand it is, but on that screen are some icons or images or um, touch points that once they move it, it goes somewhere and does something for them. And they expect the information to be there live. So as a real-life example, I, I coach an under-10s cricket team, and on a Saturday morning, and this is a non-competitive environment, um, Thomas, but on a Saturday morning, if, the, if their match is not scored live, um, they just can't understand why is someone there on the sideline with a pen and paper writing things down as to what's happening. Why can't they see it online? Why can't they watch online what's happening at other games around them? So their attention um, their attention is able, they're able to absorb a lot more information um, at, at spot. And then as we progress through other sports, because the experience that we had, were, apart from cricket being predominant, we, we did do a lot of work in many other sports with a ball and a score. And just watching the growth of yeah, people wanting to know live what happened. And as the game's finished, not only what's happened in their match, but what's happened in matches around them. And then where possible, where are the highlights? So the highlights could be edited um, from the live stream and they're placed as an Instagram story or as a, a Facebook post um, or even a YouTube summary later on. But just the, the demand for content and, and having that available in, immediately is, is quite quite remarkable. Um, but then I'm also seeing things where the, the, the content also is giving spawn to uh, new new media or new forms of content that is a combination of information and entertainment. And we're seeing a lot of um, success stories there and a, a local one in, around here around cricket is the, the grade cricket, which started off as a bit of a, a bit of a spoof on and so an occasional player interviews, but it's now becoming a, a, an analytical show as well. And they're able to draw off um, the ability to see images of games from anywhere anywhere in the world, but they've got their own spin on things. So it's not all to the um, elite level professional free-to-wear net networks that are carrying all the content. It, it's quite... Um, now, any, anybody can broadcast anything anywhere. And probably looking ahead, you know, there's very... Having been involved with a couple of international tournaments in recent times, the the clamour um, for sporting rights is now much broader than just the ESPNs and the I suppose the Channel Sevens and Channel Nines as we know it here. Um, the streaming platforms are going to be a, a major player ahead, and we're even seeing you know, some sports even going their own way with their own networks. So it all revolves around being able to see what's in the in the contest. Um, but then also to to see and connect with the the, the players as as, as personalities, um, which is now I'm you know one of the best probably 
current examples of a sports broadcast that we see here is the State of Origin by the NRL. Um, it's just it, it's unbelievable that apart from the camera angles, the slow motion analysis, but the willingness of the players and the coaches to become part of the the broadcast themselves in in real time. So, and that the biggest for our, change is for our international listeners, that is State of Origin. So it's rugby league. It sits outside yeah. of the top flight professional um, level. So correct. It's it's state versus state, mate versus mates, the whole thing, and the, the kind of um, mythology around it, and, and how it's it's driven as a narrative. Is it, it's where um, the top rugby league players played their first junior representative um, Correct. Uh, rugby. So, and then it's New South Wales versus Queensland. So the equivalent would be, uh, you know, playing for a uh, probably I would say the closest in in other sports outside is um, the county system in the Gar in um, in Gaelic mm-hmm. in in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 you're playing for where you're from, you're playing for your hometown, um, and it's huge. And it's a a, a three match series. Um, it's been played for the last I don't know how many years, um, and it's it's you know bragging rights over that. So it'd be. Texas versus Louisiana or whoever else, like wherever you played, it's it's not quite um, possible in other in other places where there's a lot of states. But in Australia, when you've got a, a small kind of um, rep, it's yeah, it's, it's very interesting because it gets a big, bigger viewership than the actual premiership games um, in terms of like yeah. everyone kind of tunes in for that and also pulls in a lot of um, non rugby league fans. Um, probably closer and, and marketed, not, not un- marketed closer than a title fight um, or like a UFC match than yeah. it is uh, necessarily a, a sporting like a, a team sporting competition. Yes, correct, and, and not unlike also in the if I use the NFL Super Bowl for an example, um, the states bid for the rights to host the match. So the the game on the weekend was actually over here in Perth. Now they don't play rugby league in Perth, but they have a this is, 60,000 seat brand new stadium, which is state of the art, incredible, and it was sold out. Um, yet there's no rugby league competition of any real note over here, so it's an event in, in its own right. But just to so just to answer properly the the question, I suppose the, the example before about using my two young boys coming coming through is that um, the expectation that that results, information, broadcast content is available live at all times. But they're also growing up with with the skills that they're creating their own content. Like these, we've already seen. I suppose social in recent years, we've gone through Snapchat, Instagram stories, TikTok. Where the kids now coming through, they've got all the editing skills to create their own clips, add music, do slow mo, do comparisons, and that's going to suppose going to drive ahead um, the demand for for content away from just watching the game live. Um, yeah, my two young boys, they're across the NBA. Yet they've rarely seen an NBA game. They play NBA 2K. And that's how they, they, or they pick up the clips off, off YouTube. But they don't sit down and watch a game. However, they're across, they're across the results of the finals, but they don't need to sit down and do the whole thing. They seem to pick up what they, what they want. They're happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's those generational changes and the, the creator economy is... Mm. And when we talk about the creator economy, something for me is a lot of people kind of go, oh, well, it's a it's a Gen Z thing or, a, you know, it's these 
<laughs> the Zoomers, it's, it's them coming in. It's the way it changes. It goes, well, people have always been creative and always done, tried to interact with whatever they have with their own creations. It's just in terms of what tools are available, it's very, very different. Yes. I mean, you think about, um, uh, and again, this is going to be very confusing for our international viewers, but but niche content for our Australians um, is uh, uh, Billy Birmingham, the, the 12th man. Um, so mm-hmm. he released, this guy released um, satirical commentary. So basically he would, um, in cricket, Richie Benno and, and others of, um, of that era, he would do these skits as if he was them. And so he would imitate these commentators and players and do these little skits and so the stuff. And that was literally recorded in his bedroom um, with a mattress over the door to present, um, prevent, you know, sound coming in um, onto a cassette tape. And then that cassette tape, he mm-hmm. sold it out the back of his car. And then eventually, you know, got some sort of deals and, and bootlegged it and stuff like that. And then that became a big thing. And he in later on got to go on TV and all this kind of stuff, but literally a tape recorder and then handing that out to people. And then people would record it onto their own tape recorders and, and push it out. And you, you think, well, you know, that that was one person that did that and that's the only person I can think yeah. of of that era of note. Whereas now you just jump on TikTok and there are, you know, a huge, huge oh. amount of um, creators uh, in air quotes and that can be from someone who's doing it for a living and, and streaming and actually making money from it and working with brands to you know, just ordinary kids that just want to engage with, whatever sports content um, or entertainment content and put their own spin on it. So I think it's, that's for me is that is the key thing is that it's humans haven't changed in terms of how they interact with it. It's just the tools are available. So it's really giving this outlet Um, and also teams and leagues are leaning into it a bit more rather than um, necessarily gatekeeping their content um, in the same way they can understand, well, if someone's not going to sit down and watch a whole game, I've got to find ways that I can get clips and I can, I can get this into, you know, the people that I'm trying to um, in, engage with. But on that, on that content side, side of things and, and connected to sport, yeah, we've, we've seen uh, groups like Dude Perfect create an incredible audience with, with their sort of trick shots and Mr. Beast in, in recent times with their challenges and some of the sport related around table tennis or 10 pin bowling. And we're seeing, you know, just a whole different level of people being attracted to sport in, in some way that's not necessarily competitive related or competition. Um, especially always get your diehards, the, 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 the tribes that, that want to go and um, be part of an experience, whether it be, you know, a Champions Cup, a Champions League, sorry, or a Wimbledon or a, or a Super Bowl. But then you'll get others who are more than happy just to develop a skill and, and, and sort of see where they can fit in the space there. But um, the one thing's for certain, Thomas, is that uh, the changes changes keep happening, and, and technology does lead in, in many many ways. And you now we're seeing probably probably other big thing which has been a change is now the embracing of technology. I grew up in an era where you know a lot of coaches, I suppose, and mentors and managers were pretty old school, and um, some were adverse to technology because they weren't comfortable with the amount of information. Um, yet I get, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate in that Greg Shippard, one of the most successful coaches in, in all formats in, in Australia and, and overseas in many years is a, is a great mentor to myself and he's definitely the senior generation, but Greg is one of the most inquisitive, curious minds when it comes to how any form of technology can help 
a player do something better, not just in a match, but also become better away from the game in their own space and not feel like they have to be part of a program. And that's probably a, you know, a, a, a change, which is because of the access and appetite that, that players have, um, they don't need to sort of look within the colours that they're wearing to sort of find that right way forward. Um, you know, we are seeing a lot, and again, particularly in cricket, where through the IPL, uh, a lot of players from different parts of the world are having the chance to spend time together and learn from each other and take that dressing room knowledge back with them. But off the field also, there's a lot of knowledge being transferred across the broadcast, across the marketing, across the data management between people as well that go back to their own country and, and do things. So I think we're in a real, you know, sports tech, I suppose, has created a bit of a, a more stronger collaborative environment and, and people aren't trying to be the smartest sort of person in the room and, and do the only thing by themselves. So that's, um, that's probably, a, you know, a, a, another, another continuing trend that's starting to observe across the globe and very much uh, proud, I suppose, in being part of what we're trying, of what we're putting together with sports tech world series across our different platforms and activities and advisories is being able to bring people together, whether they be an established um, business in the space or they're going for the scale up part as well. So. um, Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's something that we, I mean, it says in the name sports tech world series, but the the global focus as well is um, genuine belief in, in finding best practice globally um, and understanding the market globally, because you may be the best player in your city or your state. Um, uh, and equally, you may be the best company in your city or your state. That doesn't mean a lot um, when you actually yeah. go out to the market uh, more broadly in the sense of, uh, you know, born global or die local, essentially. And, and, and with that in <laughs> mind, we've got the, um, we've got the, uh, the Brisbane Olympics or the, sorry, the, the, the 22 yes. uh, Olympics coming to Brisbane. So coming to Australia, obviously, um, fantastic global event that we have a 10-year a, a runway, which we're calling the Green and Gold Runway. And if that's, um, again, for our international listeners, does make sense. Australia, when it is in sporting events, wears green and gold, um, representing our colours. I think the wattle flower and the, um, the eucalyptus leaf. I got asked why it's green and gold when our, our flag, flag is red, white and blue. But there you go. So green and gold, the green and gold uh, runway leading up to 2032 and then the legacy of, of what's happening 10 years after the games. And it's it's definitely a mindset yeah. shift um, where it's actually looking at, well, what is the legacy after this rather than just building up to a big event and then everything kind of fizzles and technology's got, got a huge role to play and we're very proud to work with the Queensland government on a lot of, um, a lot of elements on this. And we've got the Australian um, Sports Innovation Week coming up in Queensland. So that's a kind of a lead in um, for you, Andrew. What's What can we expect there? Yeah. Um, you know, what are you most excited for? Um, and obviously everyone should buy tickets if you're, uh, if you're in the nation. Yeah, certainly. I'll, 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 give, the, I'll give the rundown overall of what the, the, the week, uh, Sports Innovation Week looks like. And then I might just revert back a bit more about the, the Green and Gold runway and how that impact that's having um, across sport and a whole range of other things. But it's a four-day four day series of events. Uh, so culminating with the Friday, the last day is the conference, which is a flagship event of the week. Yet before that, uh, the Sports Tech Field Tours. So doing some field tours with our partners are some of the best uh, tech that's available in Queensland. A number of the national academies are, b- are based in, in Brisbane and the surrounding areas. And it's a good chance to see them firsthand as to what they're, what they're doing now and where they're moving to ahead. 
the Wednesday is a series of um, masterclasses with Australian Sports Technology Network, one of our key partners, an interactive workshop, and then partner workshops with some other smaller groups on some of our sponsors. And there's a couple of international ones of very high profile that have put their hands up to be involved on a Wednesday. Um, Thursday is the Startup Investor Day. So a chance to give innovative young companies a chance, to, the, the stage to inspire the next wave of sports technology founders and culminating that evening with the Australian New Zealand Sports Technology Awards um, that have been running now for a number of years. And then just to, again, just to re- repeat, just to finish off with the, the conference on the Friday, which is the flagship event of the week. And that's um, something which has been you know, tremendously well received not just by those in the industry, but those around and, and wanting to know more than what the current trends are, but why people are doing things. And one 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 presentation particularly stands out in my mind from 2017, um, Vic from uh, Vic Chu, sorry, from one championship, and he was explaining how in the world of mixed martial arts and UFC, how one championship had found a position by wanting to make all of their athletes and competitors of both genders heroes. They were the hero piece. And from that strategy, they were able to win a partnership with Disney and Disney took them to absolute next level. And you sort of go, hang on, mixed martial arts, combat fighting, male, female um, heroes. And like, how does this all work? And the, the way it all came together, you may... It, it made made perfect sense. And that was a story that generally would never have never have heard. So those are the sort of things that, that, that we do bring to the public. So I would encourage everybody to to, to get along um, and be part of it. But if it's okay, Thomas, maybe just to expand a little bit further on the, the green and gold runway if as to where that's sort of come from and why that's a, a, a thing which is not just only important for Australia, but, but we'll have the involvement of, of many of our international clients and partners and, and friends um, for the next few years. So um, the first place, so the 10-year runway is not just the 10 years from na- from now to Brisbane, but also the 10 years afterwards. And never before has an Olympic Games been delivered with such advance. It's normally been a much, much shorter time period than that. And why it's important in Australia is it feeds into what they're referring to as the government intergenerational strategy. Um, and things ahead which are critical around um, gender balance, global involvement and and continually refreshing the game. So they'll be looking at for, for new sports to be included. We saw in Tokyo, Thomas, remind me, we had skateboarding, we had BMX, we had rock climbing. What else do we have in Tokyo? Was that a good start? You, you've stumped me. I think it was, yeah, it was a lot of the, um, the yeah, a lot of the action sports. And um, speaking about cricket, is there's potential that a T20 will be included in um, the Los Angeles games before... Brisbane, so yeah. that's um, that's potential for an inclusion of of that. Yes, because the USA is now in the World Cup in cricket, and nice segue unplanned between us. I've actually got a few friends right now who are in Seattle and Philadelphia and Atlanta who are part of the US Major Cricket League that started their first round last weekend, and a very good friend of mine, um, Adam Crossway. Uh, from here, who's playing in Seattle for the Microsoft team? Um, so expect that to to um, to tick a few boxes ahead, being on on the agenda. Um, but a few other things, a few other things just on that, and I'll refer to to um, 
I'm sure you won't mind me using his word, but John Coates, who, who's been you know the, the, the leader of the AOC in Australia for many, many years. And John um, shared some information recently about how important it, it was in so many areas apart from the obvious. Now, apart from the Olympic Games around that, there's now 30,000 people involved in the Masters Games. And the participation through the movements leads to improved health and, and well-being. And also the need for sport to play their role with reconciliation. And he held up some examples there within Australia. We have an Indigenous Advisory Committee, uh, Kyle Vanderkype and Patrick Johnson, two, two very, very well-received, well-recognised and important Indigenous athletes to educate all of the Australian athletes where, where we've come from beforehand. Um, the facilities in Brisbane will be used by the community before the Games and they'll be reconfigured for the event to be at international elite level and then they'll be returned back to the community for use as a legacy in participation beyond 2032. And there's there's got to be a... Um, the other part to it at all is the... Where are we here? So it's an extent here. So... One of the legacies they're looking at here is that out of the London Olympic Games, as an example, in, in 20, 2012, after the Games, there were more than one million jobs created for people with some form of disability. And that's something which is very much on the agenda here as well, is how can this be, be done to continue expanding the, the services and the access available for, for people through, through sport in, in, in some way. Um, but it's a very, very interesting time ahead. Um, it's also about attracting world-class, you know, coaches as well. Uh, there's a, it's a huge, huge amount of coaches um, that are involved in all the various different, different uh, formats across the games. And that's just not that's not just a local growth. That's attracting people from from all over. So um, it's going to be an incredible boost to the the sporting economy completely and also in the technology part as, as well. And we've got a long run up to do it. So hopefully, hopefully the, I mean, we've, we've both been exposed to a lot of the planning so far and there seems to be plenty on the right path, but a long way to go. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so unique that it's, as you said, it's that 10 year runway in terms of the amount of time that's available to, to plan this and, and look at, um, how technology can be integrated for it. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's exciting and it's exciting to be a part of that conversation, I guess, is, is actually be be in the room, so to speak. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with the, the Australian Sports Innovation Week and obviously the conference on Friday, the uh, 2nd of September. So um, I will give a plug to that quickly in sportstechworldseries.com um, forward slash conference, or you can you know, click on the links through there and, and get tickets. Um, and... With that, I mean, we're kind of getting to the end of our time um, and just want to say thank you so much for, for sharing your views and your, your experience and also um, doing that with us uh, on the day-to-day -day as the new Managing Director of, of STWS. So we're excited for your leadership there and uh, I'm not just um, trying to get any good books because um, you're my new boss, but that is genuine. So uh, thanks for being involved. And, and before we let you go, Andrew, um, what is your favourite sporting moment of all time? Um, uh, 99 World Cup final at Lords Cricket. And 
uh, Australia were not chasing a big total, and Shoal Bakhtar was brought back on. At the time, Shoal Bakhtar was recognised as a bowler who bowled more than 100 miles an hour. And he came in, Ricky Ponting was walking the bat, and he steamed in, the whole crowd was behind him, incredible noise. And he threw down the thunderbolt at around 100 miles an hour, and Ricky Ponting hit it that hard back past him, and it ran up the hill at Lords and bounced off the pickets nearly back to show back to Harris and went back at him about 110 miles an hour. Um, that was for something, just a, an instantaneous moment. Yet of the main one would have been the Richmond 2017 Premiership at the MCG. Um, Thomas, that was just um, a never, never expected thing to see in my whole entire life, a flag after 37 years. And um, Tiger Army at the MCG is a, a pretty hard environment to beat when it comes to brilliant sporting moments. Yeah, singing the song, Target, Tigerland, Yellow and Black. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is. I, I was there for a few of the finals, so I, I didn't make it to the granny, but I was there for a for a few few of the finals, and definitely something special to see. So, um, yeah, exciting to have that back in terms of what we what we missed with COVID and and seeing fans come back into stadium, especially it's just very uh, I guess very lucky, privileged, whatever else you want to call um, call it, but be able to experience that. As we wrap here, Thomas, over there, what what next week's fourth of July? Uh, it is, it is. So, so, what's the big what's the big sporting thing you'll be watching over there on the fourth of July? Uh, not a whole lot. So, right now is actually the I guess because it's fourth of July and everyone's outside and and summer. It's a it's a bit of a <laughs> desert when it comes to sporting um, coverage here. To be honest, so you've got um, baseball is is in in full swing. Uh, no pun intended. Um, Stanley Cups just finished, NHL's just finished. You've just had the NBA finals have finished as well. College baseball's just finished. Um, we're not yet into uh into NFL or college football season. No. Um, so really if you want to watch something, it's got to be uh, major league baseball, but we're not really in the pointy end of the season. We've still got a few games to go. So um yeah, I think it's more go outside and spend time with your family and and then get ready to hunker down once sports picks back up. Um, really heading into November is when it really October, November is you really yeah. you are you can't move for sporting coverage and then heading into the end of the year and it's uh it's pretty full full on here in the US. So but that being said, there's always, you know, there's like pickleball or um darts or <laughs> squash or whatever else, or watch reruns. There's always there's always that thirst for content. Um, but it's certainly something that uh, this time of year, uh, it's good to have an international focus and be able to see sports that are yeah. ongoing around the world. Wimbledon. That's true. Tennis. Yeah. I mean, there's always something, as yeah. we said, that's, that, that is probably a nice point to bring us full circle um, to close the interview out is that there's always going to be that, that thirst for content. There's always going to be something on. Um, it's just yeah. technology's role to to get it into the the hands or the I guess the the eyeballs of people that actually want it. So make that easier to yeah. define discoverability, find that content, engage with that content, and then um, if they want to take their own spin on it, and as a as a creator, which I think everyone has the capacity to be, um, then that's the option as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, for joining the show, Andrew, and um, we look forward to seeing you in Queensland in September. Will do. I'll catch you then. See you, mate.